Greetings to each one in Jesus' precious name. It's good to be here again. Hope you're not too tired. Every once in a while, I will listen to myself on a podcast to see if I can better portray God's Word, and I I grin and bear it. I just wanted to thank you for putting up with my stammering and stuttering. Uh, But as I listened uh, over what I said yesterday, I have one correction. I said that I had not tried wine. I did have one cup one time, and so I wanted to correct that. I don't want to say something that's untrue and give a false perception. So get that out of the way right away. Let's say our memory passage, Ephesians 5, 14 through 16. Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. The title of tonight's message is, What in the world were you thinking? Have you ever asked someone that? What in the world were you thinking? Sometimes you ask your child that. And, you know, we're concerned about people's actions. But where did that action come from? Where did that action begin? Sometimes you see things in the church you might be concerned about. What prompted that? Where did it come from? Where do temptations come from? Where do what we do, where does it come from? What is a thought? Maybe it started within our thought. Well, do you know what a thought is? Process of mental activity, uh, deciphering things. What happens uh, when you smell something? Hmm, something's on fire. Something's burnt. Or the opposite, something smells good. I'm going to go investigate. And your senses tell you something and then it goes to your mind and it processes what your senses were telling you and you develop thoughts accordingly. Who or what then controls your thoughts? Our mind controls our thoughts and our heart controls our mind. Why well, I asked you what in the world you were thinking, I often get the response of, when I ask my children that, I often get the response, well, I don't know especially if they've been naughty. Well, maybe I wasn't thinking. Well, if you weren't thinking and you did something, what does that say? Does that say you just reacted on what was in your heart? Is that a possibility? So if you say, well, I wasn't thinking, you just reacted and you did something, it's normal. it could have been a reaction based on what's actually in your heart. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart, and I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. This evening, I want you to think about your heart as your castle. Are you protecting your heart? What's dwelling in your heart? The heart is the seat of your affections, desires, and emotions. The heart informs the mind to what decision it's going to make. So what then is your mind? I want you this evening to think of your mind as a guard, and it's guarding your heart. It tells you what you're allowing in. It's the decision-making process. It tells you what I'm going to let into my heart, or what I'm sending forth from my heart. It has been said that a picture is worth a thousand words. So I figured if I don't have enough time to portray all my thoughts to you, I'll show you a picture. 
So this is not original with me. Please excuse the fingerprints. They are original with me. But every man is tempted when he's a drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Now, my brother, Leon Miller from Pennsylvania, uh, was inspired to come up with this chart. And it was, it was, it was very, I think, a divine inspiration. Because it makes sense once you break it down. So if you look at that verse again, and I might, I don't know if, what that's going to do. But every man when he is tempted, so the affections or the desires of his heart. And when he is drawn away of his own lusts, his mind is thinking about it. And he's enticed his senses. Then when lust hath conceived, that's the actions, it bringeth forth sin. And, and they just go in a circle and they reinforce one another. And so, all the things I shared throughout the week, if you know this chart, and you know what's going on, it's going to help you almost in anything that you face in life, if you know and realize what's happening. I brought an object lesson, thanks to hard work on a lot of different people. And this right here, I don't know if you can see it. Anyone have a guess what that is? What is it? But not just any donut. Does anyone have a guess what kind of donut this is? Highland County Real Maple Syrup Donut. This is a special donut that is hot off the press. It's maybe an hour and a half old. Like, that's a prized donut. And I have a certain amount of affection for a Highland County Maple Syrup Maple Donut. My heart desires that. But what am I going to do? So my heart says, I want that maple donut. And so it tells my mind. And my mind starts processing. How am I going to get it? Well, tell your hands to go out. And so we, we open it up. We smell it. Mmm, smells so good. And, it, and, it's, and, and if I take a bite, and I realize that, mmm, I still like maple donut. And then it reinforces what my heart already believes. And the more I do that, I've created a pattern in, in my head. So what if we did that with sin? If I have an affection for something that's improper, and then I tell my mind, well, I really want that. And my mind starts saying, well, this is how I'm going to get it. And it starts to develop a pattern within our brain. There's a saying that a thought is just a thought. It's okay to think about something just as long as you don't do it, right? But that's wrong. Thoughts inevitably lead to action. But even if they don't lead to action, I believe sometimes they skip the action and they just reinforce what your heart is. So you're thinking on it, you're dwelling on it, and it's still affecting your heart. So what did you do last time a brother and sister or sister wronged you? They said something unkind. They said something untrue. Did you forgive them? Or did it go from, that really hurt me. And so now I'm going to avoid my brother and sister. I'm going to take an action. And maybe I'm not going to hurt them back. But I'm not going to be as loving and kind next time I see them. And I'm going to try not go where they are. And so we start this whole cycle again. 
And then you start to look for things that they've done wrong. You start, since you're, you're not forgiving them, then you start to think of anything they do that's a little out of the ordinary starts, well, that's right, they hurt me. And so that's the first thing you think about, and you don't see all the good things they did through the week because you're already, you've made up in their mind that they hurt you. They might not even know that they hurt you at that point, but you're already creating this path in your mind and reinforcing what your heart's telling you and what your mind's telling you. 1 John 2.7 Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you have from the beginning. The old commandment in the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you? Because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because the darkness hath, hath blinded his eyes. And then the next chapter, 1 John 3, verse 14, We know that we have passed from death unto life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whoso hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. So just the thought of hate is like the action of murder in God's eyes. Do we realize that? So when this, I was wronged, it turns into bitterness. That bitterness turns into hate. That hate is like killing your brother. And that's just a thought. That's not an action. You haven't done anything yet. You haven't went out and killed your brother. But in God's eyes, you may have well. You may as well have killed them. On the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 27, Ye have heard that it hath been said of them of old, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. So I looked up the word woman because I thought, well, maybe there's something to be learned from the Greek. And it means what it says, a woman. But it also says specifically a married woman because it's adultery. And so you're longing for something which is not yours. In essence, you're trying to steal something. It's taking from another man what is his. And you're desiring it to be your own. We've taken it to mean looking upon an immodest woman. But it doesn't have to be an immodest woman. It could be a desire for another man's wife as modest as she could be. And so maybe we have uh, dumbed it down a little bit what Jesus was saying. Whenever that look becomes a desire, it's just like the action of committing actual idolatry. And I think maybe we've made it a little too like, oh, well, you have to look at an immodest woman to, to do that sin. But that's not what he was saying. It's the desire to have something that is not yours. Isaiah 55, 7. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Thoughts turn into actions. Actions reestablish our thoughts. So then, is there any hope? What if I keep having wrong thoughts? This is an area where we struggle to help people in, but because we can't tell what they're thinking. You don't know what I'm thinking. 
I don't know what you're thinking. And we kind of pride ourselves in keeping our thoughts secret. Would you like all your thoughts to be up here, especially during revival meetings, and you're under a little bit of conviction? Ah, it wouldn't be real fun, would it? So what we see when we look at someone else, we don't see their thoughts, but we see actions. We see the results of their thought process. And sometimes people can do actions that aren't a direct result of their thoughts, and they're trying to think through it, uh, maybe a little too hard. If you can't control your thoughts this evening, you must have a desire to change, and there is no way that anyone will be, help, be able to help you if you do not have that desire to change. If you don't want to change your thought pattern, there's no help for you. But if you want to change your thought pattern, there's a lot of hope. And this, what he um, will show you here in a bit, is really powerful. Psalm 139.23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. If your thoughts are in control, are they taking you places that you don't want to go? Well, if you want to change the, your mind, it has to start with changing your heart. Okay, so if you have a new heart, if you've allowed God to change your heart, then it can go into control in your mind. So tonight, I'm going to allow you to think about this. What, is, what are you thinking? What are thoughts that are in your mind that you struggle with? Is it selfish thoughts? Is it immoral thoughts? Is it proud thoughts? Is it vain thoughts? Maybe even angry thoughts, thoughts of doubt. Maybe you're here this evening, and you've lost your trust in God. Thoughts of fear. You're not the first. If the Lord tarries, you probably won't be the last person that's lost a little bit of hope. Proverbs 29, 25, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whosoever putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. And then a very familiar verse is Proverbs 3, 5, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not on thine own understanding. Do not lean on your own understanding. The devil loves to put doubts in our minds. He's been doing it from the beginning. He told Eve, Hath not God's, did God really say that? He put that doubt in her mind. And then he said, um, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, all those people hurling accusations at him. He saved others himself he cannot save. And then I thought of Peter when he was walking on the water. And that's an amazing story. When his eyes were fixed on Jesus, everything was going real well, was it not? He was actually doing it. He was out there walking on water. Turn with me to that story in Matthew 14. Matthew 14, starting at verse 24. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, if it be thou bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried, saying, Lord, save me. 
And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Isn't that us so many times? We see the storm going on all around us. We see all the hardship. We see the enemy closing in and we get our eyes off Jesus and we start to sink. Have we cried out to him, Lord, save us? I think that's what it takes sometimes. Maybe that's what it takes for your thought life. Lord, save me. All I can see is all these thoughts, all these random bombardments of the devil. Well, cry out to Jesus, because he's there. And it was, it was so precious to me this evening when I, when I was rereading it, it said, Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and caught Peter. It was immediate. He cried out to Jesus, and Jesus was right there and caught him, but then reprimanded him just a little bit. Why did you take your eyes off me? Why didn't you have more faith? Why did you doubt? <laughs> I was right here. But it's so easy to do. It's so easy to do sometimes. What a wonderful example of our Savior's love. We are in a battle for our souls. So I don't have a one-time fix for your thought life. But I have a process that we can go through when the thoughts of Satan bombard us that we can go to to fix it. There isn't a one-fix-fix-all one <laughs> solution to our thought life because we all have different thoughts we face we all have different avenues that it, we go down but it must be a change in your heart who's on the throne in your castle? Is it Jesus or is it Satan? So who's on the throne? What if Satan is the one on your throne? Then if the, the mind is the guard, what would the one on the throne be telling the guard to allow into the castle? Have you thought about that? If self's on the throne, who are they allowing into the castle then? Galatians 5.19, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, they, th that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So that's what self or Satan is going to allow into the castle if you let him. It's the seat of your affections. Well, what happens when Jesus comes in and takes place? Wouldn't there be a little house cleaning going on? Wouldn't there be some changes that take place? Colossians chapter 3. This is what happens when Jesus comes into our life. When Jesus comes in and he takes control, Colossians 3.1, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of this earth. So my affections aren't going to be down here anymore. My affections are going to be up here. So my, my heart is desiring something a lot better than what it used to desire before I knew Christ. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ. 
When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. When Jesus takes control, he puts to death all those things that Satan left behind. <laughs> and that, there's a reason in the Old Testament when God commanded the children of Israel to eradicate a nation, he didn't want any of them left. Because you know what happened when they left them around. Do you know what happened when they left a few Amalekites alive? A couple <laughs> years later, they came back to haunt them. That's what happens when we leave those little rooms in our heart that we don't let anyone go in and clean up, and they'll come back to haunt us. When Jesus comes into your castle, he wants to eradicate all that sin. He wants to get rid of it. If we only take care of some of our fleshly desires, we're going to have major problems. And I think that's why so many people have a problem getting rid of their bad thoughts, or improper thoughts, or bitter thoughts. They're hanging on to a little something. It has to be eradicated. The things that are allowed into our hearts have changed. But you can't always help what you think. But you can control how long you think about it, and you can continue to dwell on it, or you can bring it into subjection and eradicate it. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. That's the guard. He's guarding your mind. He controls what or who enters the gates. What are the gates? Those are your senses. What are you allowing into your mind? If you have not surrendered your life to the Lordship of Christ, you will not have the power to control your thought life. If I didn't desire this maple donut this evening, it wouldn't even be a temptation, right? If I didn't like maple donuts... That won't even be a temptation. If my affections are fixed on Christ, the things of this world, the things that might tempt me, are going to become not completely untempting, but a whole lot less tempting. We can't eradicate all our thoughts, but we can bring them into subjection when they come. Philippians 3.13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Do you have new goals in life? Are you pressing toward the mark? Or do you still have a hankering for the things of this world? Your heart is where your treasure is. It is where you keep those things that you hold dear. The scripture says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And all these things you must ask yourself. Where is my treasure? Where is my treasure? Who is in control? And what are my goals? Turn with me to Ephesians 4, 17. Ephesians 4, 17. Is that my phone? I don't think. That's your phone. Yeah. <laughs> this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk, not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, 
who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught of him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that ye put on the new man, which is after God, is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. So when Satan was in control and Jesus took over control, there also had to be a changing of the guard. There had to be a renewing of the mind. There had to be a regeneration. And the mind had to be taken captive. How do you guard your heart? You guard your heart by protecting your mind. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. It's work. It's, it doesn't just come naturally. When a thought comes in to your mind, do you take it captive and say, is this something that we want to allow in? Or is it something that we're not going to allow in and we're not going to dwell on? So controlling your thought life isn't something that's just easy. It takes work. But you have to be allowed to take these thoughts captive. Is it possible to control what we think about? Is it, can you control what you think about? Would the Bible tell us what to think about if we couldn't control what we think about? What does it say in Philippians 4.8? Do you know those verses? <laughs> Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So that's what your guard is looking for. Did that thought that came to me, was it a pure thought? Did that thought have virtue to it? Was it building up my brother or sister? And if it's not, I'm going to captivate it. And I'm going to kick it out. Because <laughs> I don't want it in my mind anymore. I'm going to eradicate it. There's a song. My soul be on thy guard. Ten thousand foes arise. The hosts of sin are pressing hard to draw thee from the skies. Oh, watch and fight and pray. The battle ne'er give o'er. Renew it boldly every day and help divine implore. Ne'er think the victory won, nor once at ease sit down. The arduous work will not be done till thou hast got the crown. Fight on, my soul, till death shall bring thee to thy God. He'll take thee at thy parting death, breath up to his rest above. My soul be on thy guard. In order to control your mind, you must control who or what you allow into your gates. The guard is going to have a pretty hard time if all the gates are open, right? And if they're open for whoever, whenever. I like to think of our senses as gates. I believe some people wish that I was a little more open-minded. <laughs> but that can be dangerous at times, right? What are we open-minded about? Is it the things of God? 
I try to be very open-minded when I read the scriptures. But when I'm reading a secular book, I'm very skeptical because I don't know what I'll find. I don't know who the author was. I don't know what the author's intentions were. When I read the Bible, I know who the author is and I know what the author's intentions are. So let's look at our eyes. What are you reading? Would that have any effect on what you think? This has a huge effect on what we think. If you want to clean up your thought life, it's imperative to daily immerse yourself in the Word of God. That is a, probably the number one way to clean up your thought life. When I got in the vehicle with Brother Robert the other day, the, the Bible was playing. That was good. <laughs> I, was, I was blessed. We'll get to that in a little bit. The Bible talks about the washing of the Word. You want to get brainwashed? That's a good way to do it. <laughs> the washing of the Word. Let it renew your mind. Let it wash your mind. Let it get rid of all those thoughts that you, were, you don't want in there. Let the Word of God do it. It will. It's possible. If you're reading secular books, thrillers, romance novels, you're filling your mind with those things, there's no way you're going to be able to have a pure thought life. Uh -oh. I've heard of ladies that get real involved with romance novels. That doesn't help you with your thought life. It's not going to help you think pure things. What are you watching? What content are you consuming through video? That's probably a sermon all in itself. The danger of damaging the brain through the use of video. It, it does something to you. It ingrains it in a way that word format will not do. And I haven't read that article you gave me, but I plan to. What are you consuming through video? What do you look at when you're in town? There are things that you can't help but see, and there are opportunities to dwell on it or not dwell on it, correct? Do the things you see promote pure thoughts? Proverbs 4.25, Let thine eyes look right on, let thine eyelids look straight before thee, ponder the path of thy feet, let all thy ways be established, turn not to the right hand nor to the left, remove thy foot from evil. People use blinders for horses so that they can focus on the task at hand. Men, we basically need blinders on today. Focus on the task at hand. When you're, when you're in town, get what you need to get and get out of there. <laughs> That's the reality of the world we live in. Who are you allowing into your ear gate? Are we listening to the Bible on audio? Are we listening to sound preaching? How do we know if it's sound preaching? 1 Corinthians 2.10 But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So when the Spirit is dwelling in us, and we're into the Word of God, and we're being bathed by the Word of God, and we're understanding the Word of God, then you're able to decipher if you're hearing sound doctrine. 
But if you're just going to preachers to tell you what to think, how do you know if they're telling you the truth? I love what the Bereans did. When they got home, they searched the scripture to see if what they were saying was right. We need to do that in our churches. I tell our home congregation, when I preach something over the pulpit and you think it's a little amiss, go home and search the scriptures. And if it is, let's, let's figure it out together. Don't just rely on me to, I try to do diligence, but we must all search the scriptures so we know what the truth is. Ask yourself why you listen to what you listen to. Why am I listening to this? Is it drawing me closer to God or is it causing me the wrong thoughts? I don't think we would see people being so politically driven if there was more Bible, less politics. Do I need to repeat that? I don't think we would see our people so politically driven if there was more Bible, less politics. Who you listen to affects how you think. Rush Limbaugh's not around anymore, but Mennonites had a heavy dose of Rush Limbaugh once upon a time. I don't know who it is now. Maybe Glenn Beck. Uh, there's probably others. If we're filling our minds with political views that suit our fancy or whatever it is, and we're not filling our minds with scriptures, we're going to see a lot more politics in our church. And it's not for our benefit. Who you listen to affects what you think. That is true about music, but it's equally true about dramatized stories and other podcasts. There's lots of central material on other podcasts. And I know men who have got rid of one type of material and switched to dramatized stories or whatever that fed the flesh just as much. Both are wrong and both will affect your thinking. Both will affect your thought life. The reason we have those struggles in our minds is because what we have allowed in at one point in time. If you, had, if you hadn't allowed any garbage into your brain, you probably wouldn't be affected by thoughts. Or if you hadn't dwelt on bitterness, or if you hadn't dwelt on these things, you wouldn't struggle with your thoughts like you do. But at one point in time, before we knew Christ, before we understood better, we had allowed things into our minds that needed to be washed out. Well, there's things that come into our gate, and there's also things that go out of our gates. Do you pray as you ought to? If you struggle with improper thought patterns, may I suggest to you the power of prayer? I heard a quote today. Don't forget to pray because God didn't forget to wake you up. That's a pretty good one, isn't it? Don't forget to pray, because God didn't forget to wake you up. We're all here this evening, living, breathing, human beings that God's keeping alive. You can't control when you're going to take your last breath. Thank the good Lord that he gave you another day. Turn with me to James 5. James 5, verse 13. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing songs. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointed him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. If he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and do what? 
and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. Are you afflicted by your thought life? Pray. Are you sick? Ask, God, ask someone to pray for you. Have you sinned? The prayer of repentance. Prayer is a powerful tool that we need to use. There is healing power in prayer. And also it talks about singing songs. What better way to get things into your mind than listening to good music? You've listened to bad music? Well, how do you get that bad music out of your mind? Listen to good music. Replace what you took out of your mind with something good. So many people get rid of something and they don't replace it. Well, there's a void there and something's eventually going to fill it. You need to fill it with good things. You need to fill it with proper thoughts, good thoughts, scripture. What comes out of our mouth? Blessings or curses? If you go back a couple chapters in James chapter 3, verse 8, But the tongue can no man tame. It is unruly evil, full of deadly poison. But God can tame it, right? No man can tame it. God can tame it. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom." But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. This sin of gossip and talebearing is more prevalent in our groups than I care to admit. Why do you say the things you say about another brother and sister? Well, it's just interesting, right? We like to share a good story every now and again, and we make an excuse. Is there any chance the stories we share because they're interesting is a sin? I heard a quote also. It says, Gossip is the devil's radio. Don't be his DJ. Does that make sense to you? If you're sharing something to slander, make someone else look bad, share juicy gossip, that's a sin. The Bible clearly states it. Do you know what so-and-so told me? Do you know what that person was into? Did you hear what they did the other day? Have you ever heard this in our churches? I think I have. How about slander? The devil uses this stuff to tear down the churches. Do you want to do part of Satan's work for him? I hope you do not. When you think of good things of others and you say good things, it reinforces positive attitudes towards that person. But when you think about negative things, it reinforces negative thoughts about that person. We don't need chameleons either, though. 
So what if you came up to me and said, Dave, I really appreciated the message. And then your friend came up to you and said, David said a lot of things that were not correct. And you say, yeah, I know. He's, <laughs> he was full of it. And you had just told me the opposite. That's chameleons. That happens too. Say what you mean. Say what you think. And don't switch between, well, I'm with this group, so I'm going to say what they think. And now I'm with this group, I'm going to say what they think. Blessings and cursings proceed out of the same mouth. Brethren, these things ought not to be. Also, far, far too often, I think during prayer requests, turns into almost a time of gossip. I don't need the gory details of the reason someone's sick. It's enough for me to say, they have cancer. They're not feeling well. Pray for this, brother or sister. I don't need all the gory details. I don't think the church needs all the gory details. If it's a close friend, and you're telling another close friend, that's one thing. But when... Sometimes the things that get shared in church because of, quote, prayer requests, I think it's just a chance to tell a good story. I don't think that's necessary. Where do your feet take you? I did construction for a number of years, and it did not aid my thought life. Turns out that everything has a double meaning. You ever been in there? After working construction so long, there was hardly anything I could say without thinking about something else. There, we're always quick to, oh, we'd snicker over double meanings all the time. And it, it gets patterns in your brain that promote improper thinking. How about the language at the job site? When I smashed my thumb, Ouch was not the first word I thought of because of the language at the job site. Now it's what I tried to say, but there was improper language. If you can't keep pure thought life and your job, your job needs to go. Is that true? What are we trying to accomplish? If, I would say if you can't keep a pure thought life on your job, get a new job. Why is there a guy standing resting on his shovel? <laughs> well, what is idleness? Idleness is the devil's workshop. How many improper and bad ideas came out of idleness? That's normally when I got in trouble, when I wasn't doing something profitable. Does your job take you away from your family for long periods of time? I don't think that's proper if it does. Does it take you to areas that have more temptations? My friend that did carpet jobs, and he would go into businesses, and he said his um, Seventh-day Adventist friend told the boss, they said, well, I'm not going to do that job because they have improper pictures in that building, and we're not going in there. Are you willing to stand up and be a man? And if your job takes you to places that you cannot keep a proper thought life, that you will not go there? That takes being a man. Where do you take your families for vacation? Do you go to the beach in the middle of summer? To water parks? To the lake? How much immodesty are you subjected to? Maybe you're strong. What about your young men? Are you careful where you go and where you take vacations?
How do you allow your young girls to dress around their brothers? Some of these things in our home, they say, well, nothing's going to happen. They're just brothers and sisters. You know, nothing's going to happen in the home. There has to be proper guidelines within our homes, too. There has to be proper things drawn within our homes, or tremendous issues can arise. What are your hands doing? Psalm 26, 9. Gather not my soul with the sinners, nor my life with bloody men, in whose hands is mischief, and their right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I will walk in my integrity, redeem me, and be merciful unto me. My foot standeth in an even place, even in the congregation will I bless the Lord. Are our hands up to mischief? They're being controlled by our affections and our mind. And when they do stuff, they reaffirm all that stuff, and it creates patterns. And I was amazed when I found these verses. I want to put this other slideshow back up in closing. Proverbs 6.12 A naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with, walketh with the forwardness of his mouth. He winketh with his eyes. He speaketh with his feet. He teacheth with his fingers. Forwardness is in his heart. He devises mischief continually. He soweth discord. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly. Suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. Jesus wants to change that person. So how do you change? First off, you change your heart. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Control your mind. You, can, you can't help if a bird flies over your head, but you can help if they build a ne nest in your hair. We've heard that saying, right? So control your mind. Control the thoughts that enter in. Curb your senses. Crucify the flesh. It's a daily thing. Curb your senses. Crucify the flesh with its affections and lusts. Commit thy actions unto the Lord. Now this was a new thought that Levi, or Leon shared with me. Proverbs 16.3, it says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thought shall be established. Seems a little backwards, doesn't it? But when we commit our ways unto the Lord, it establishes our thoughts. So if you're having a problem with your thought life, think of this chart. Who's in control of your heart? Are you controlling your thought life? Have you curbed your senses? And have you committed your actions to the Lord? Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Jesus, I thank you for your scriptures. I thank you that you've given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. I thank you that you have the remedy for everything that we face. And I pray that you would guard our hearts for us, dear God, and that we could be faithful to you. Just commit the rest of the service into your hands. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.